Thank you for listening to this message from Lifehouse Church. God's good, isn't he? Yes, man. Great worship this morning. Thank you um, for coming out and praising God this morning. And um, this is the beginning of the fast. We've been praying about this time of prayer and this time of fasting. And tonight uh, is Revive. And listen, let me encourage you to come out to Revive. Revive's different than uh, the church service that we have on Sunday mornings. It's just a, really a time to come together and worship and pray. And uh, really, uh, for all ages, we've got opportunities to, to worship and to pray. And it's a great way to start this week that we've set aside, these seven days. And we've got seven days marked. Uh, I hope that you've taken this seriously. We've got a card underneath your seat. You can pick that up now if you want to, or you can get it after um, at the end of the gathering. But there's a card there. You can write down what you're fasting um, from and for both, right? Uh, you want to talk, uh, we, we give you these cards, not so you turn them in, but so that you fill them out and you make a commitment in your own heart and life to what God, uh, what you want to give up for God this week. And we've given you the devotional. There's also a commitment card inside of there. There's a place to take notes. There's a place in the back to respond. Maybe God will speak to you. Um, and you just want to write those things down. I find it really important when God speaks to write it down. Um, how, many, how many got short memories out there, right? Sometimes we forget about what God said. It's a great thing to go back and see what God has spoke um, during this week and this time that you set aside. So utilize those. They're just little tools that you can use and some devotionals um, to get you started this week and taking time to pray and fast, um, setting food aside, right? And, and you might, uh, like I said, you might find something that God speaks to you. You might even come up with a question for God, right? Last, after last week's message, uh, I had two people come up uh, following that gathering and ask some good questions. Uh, sometimes when you, when you hear God's word, you start asking questions. That's a good thing, by the way, right? And, and one of them came up to me and said, hey, can, can, can prayer be a conversational thing? Can, can I just kind of dialogue with God all day long? Is that disrespectful of his position in, in any way and who he is? And I said, no, you can. You can dialogue with God all, every day. You can, you can spend time. Matter of fact, the word says, right, pray without ceasing. That's part of what that is. That's like getting God in, the, in your everyday um, walk in your everyday function. But at the same time, remember who you're talking to, right? We're not talking to our buddy. We're not talking to our spouse. We're talking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And just remember who you're talking about. I can have a personal conversation with somebody that I respect a great deal. I just remember who I'm talking to. I remember who I'm speaking to. It was one of the questions. Um, you know, and I got another question after that. Is, is, is prayer just speaking? Right? Is it just speaking out to God? No. Uh, prayer is listening. Right? In a conversation, you, you speak and then you listen. Sometimes we come to God, we just keep on talking, right? Preachers are really good at this, right? We can talk all day, right? We just talk and talk and talk. You know, and, and, and prayer is listening. It's meditating on God. It's praising. Uh, you can take time and praise God with music. Um, you know, it's praising him with words. It's contemplating his word. It's praying in the spirit. It's praying in a prayer language. It could be experiencing the Holy Spirit. I, I, I said the Holy Spirit has, I think he has body language sometimes. Do you ever get nudged by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes he's pulling you away from something. Sometimes he's pushing you towards something. You can do that can happen in prayer, right? It's receiving a word. Sometimes God speaks through someone else. God gives somebody a word and, and, and you can receive a word. 
Prayer is about looking for those ways. So turn to someone, tell them right now, keep the questions coming. Tell them that. Keep the questions coming. We like questions, all right? And if we don't have the answer, we'll do our best to try to find it and find someone a lot smarter than we are to get it, right? So fast this week. Take that time. Get away. Get time with God. Push away from the table, right? And if you can't fast a meal, medically you're not able to do that, fast something else. TV, screen time, social media, whatever it is, maybe your hobby, right? Whatever it is, just take that time and and slide away, get with God, and and fill out that commitment form. Uh, I know it seems like such a small thing, and sometimes we put these out and pen, and you know, we've I know some of you got these laying on the floor of your car. I know it right now, right? Come on, just admit it. But take the time, fill that thing out. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it, right? And, and you're going to commit to this. All right, I, I'm not going to say any more about that. Well, this morning, this is part two of a message I started last week on the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus gave us a model for prayer. He, when, um, he literally said this, when you're going to pray, pray this way. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6 this morning, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 5, Matthew chapter 6, and it's the same passage that I spoke last week, and and if you don't have your Bibles or you want to just look up at the screens, I don't see some of you moving, that means you're just going to do this, right, tilt your head, go ahead, do it right now, because it's going to come up on the screens, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be, may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have the reward. But, when, uh, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Last week, I preached about this a little bit, covered this. Don't pray right to be admired by people. Don't use empty repetitions, uh, repetitious words and go to the secret place. Say the secret place. Go, go get away with God. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things which you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. I want you to say the prayer with me. Our Father in heaven, go ahead and repeat it. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come on, say for yours. Oh, man, we got to get it together. We're going to practice this next week. All right. Yeah, it's the Lord's Prayer. And I had to repeat that because you need to get it in your spirit. You need to know this prayer. And, and, and last week I preached down through verses 9 and verses 10. But today we're going to tackle a couple more because this was Jesus' model about prayer. And this morning I'm going to start off talking about bread. All right? How about that? At the beginning of a fast, I'm going to talk about bread. All right? Uh, we're going to go over to that verse. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Why a phrase in Jesus' model of prayer about bread? 
Because bread represents something in Scripture. It, it represents um, very important things in God's Word. Bread is way more than that, that's, that white substance that holds your peanut butter and jelly together. Um, it's way more than that. Bread represents provision. It represents nourishment. It rep- represents substance. And, and, there's, and it, re- it really is a representation of something that will sustain us. And when people talk about basic food in life, right, you need water and what? Bread, right? How many need, all right, I'll, I'll put it the other way, because where everybody says, we need bread and, all right, all right, am I the only one that's ever heard that before? Okay, I'm starting to feel alone up here. All right, so it's water and bread, right? It, it, bread is life. How many people believe that bread is life? Yeah, some of you do, I know you do, all right? You're eating your spaghetti, you need bread. All right, I need bread with my spaghetti. I don't know about you, right? You got to have it. You, you're having soup of some kind. You got to have that bread that you dip it. Your sandwich, your sandwich isn't even a sandwich without bread. It really is. It's not even a sandwich, right? You go to Panera and you make an order at Panera and, 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 and they're going to give you some choices of sides. And they're going to say, do you want some chips? Do you want some apples? Or do you want a French baguette? <laughs> no competition. All right, it's bread. It's bread. It, you, some of you love bread so much you'd wear a t-shirt and you would, you would as a testimony, right? That bread is life. Warm, fluffy. This is just cruel at the beginning of a fast, right? Melting butter down through bread. It, it's just kind of cruel. But bread is talked about all through scripture. And it always represents provision. It always represents nourishment. It's always substance. And even Jesus called himself the bread of life. Jesus broke bread. He multiplied bread. Amen. Uh, He gave bread. And he even talked to a group of people who were following him, and they were following him around looking for a miracle. They were looking for God to, uh, they were looking for Jesus to multiply the bread for them. And he even had a discussion with them about bread. John 6, 32 says this, Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then he said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. They were looking for physical bread. They were looking for something to put in their mouth. Uh, They were looking for miraculous bread. They remembered back to their ancient forefathers who were provided manna from heaven. Uh, Bread, they came down like the dew on the ground and they would literally go out and pick it up. But Jesus said, you're looking for the wrong kind of bread right now. You're looking for the wrong thing. I am the bread of life. You, You should be seeking my promise. You should be seeking my provision. You should be seeking my nourishment. I'm all you need. That's what he was telling them. And that's what this fast is about. It's about pushing away from the physical in your life and sliding up to the spiritual. And, and he says it again in, in John 6, 47. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh. And I shall give for the, wor- the life of the world. That simple phrase in the Lord's Prayer is literal and symbolic in context. 
Yes, it's good to ask God about provision. It's good to ask God. It's okay to come in prayer and say, Lord, I need what I need for today, right? He knows that you need food. He he knows that you need clothing. Thank the Lord, right? He knows that you need shelter. He knows all those things. He knows before we ask. He says that in in Matthew 6, 31. He says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you, that you need all these things. Say this with me, but seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. And this righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me Jesus first, right? And all the rest will follow us. A generous portion of Jesus. Give me that bread. God's supply chain physically and spiritually is activated when we seek Jesus first. His supply chain is, you got to get, right, physically and spiritually. That's what this scripture is telling us. It is activated when we seek Jesus first. Matthew 6, 33. I'm going to read it again. You just said it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The, 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 God's supply is released when we get the seek right. Most people do the opposite, right? Most people seek the supply, and then they'll get to Jesus if the supply is there. And this verse is telling us just the opposite. He's saying, you need to seek me first. I am the bread of life. Seek this kind of bread. Seek the eternal bread, the spiritual bread, right? And he said, all these things will be at. It's automatic. Do you know that? I love automatic stuff. I love when things just happen, right? I don't got to work for it. And that's what this scripture is saying. You just seek me and all the other things will follow. All the other things come into place. We get it so backwards, don't we? We're always chasing the other stuff. Seek him first. And, and, and he should be our craving. He should be the one that we're, that we're seeking after. Uh, I came across this, this little excerpt from a, uh, that was taken from the prayer of the Lord by uh, R.C. Sproles. And it kind of helps to convey the thought that I'm trying to get across here. It says this, bread remains, at least in our language, as powerful symbol as a rudimentary basis uh, of provision for our needs. After the Korean War ended, South Korea was left with a large number of children who had been orphaned by the war. We've seen the same thing in the Vietnam conflict, in Bosnia, and in other places. And in the case of Korea, relief agencies came in to deal with all the problems that arose in connection with having so many orphaned children. One of the people involved in this relief effort told me about a problem they had encountered with children who were in the orphanages. Even though the children had three meals a day provided for them, They were restless and anxious at night and had difficulty sleeping. As they talked to the children, they soon discovered that the children had great anxiety about whether they would have enough food the next day. To help resolve this problem, the relief workers in one particular orphanage decided that each night when the children were put to bed, that they would simply um, intend to put a, a piece of bread in that child's hand. And it was not to eat, but it was their security blanket for them, reminding them that, where the, that they would have provision for the next day. And sure enough, these children's anxiety all began to lower, and they began to sleep. What if we hung on to the bread of life like that? What if we went to bed, right, hanging on to Jesus that tightly? What if we just, maybe some of us would sleep just a little better, right? 
Maybe some of us, the anxiety would begin to lower if we just got a hold of the bread of life, clung to it, and said, you know what? This is my security blanket. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what provisions I'm going to need. I'm not sure what I'm going to face tomorrow, but I'm just going to get a hold of Jesus, and I'm going to tuck him in underneath my arm, and I'm going to hang on to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? Come on. It's true. That's what this verse, this is what this verse is saying. Give us this day our daily bread. He's your provision. He's your bread. Seek that first, and all the rest is going to follow. Amen? Powerful prayer. Jesus knew what he was doing. He gave us this prayer. Next line of that prayer. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus told us to pray this way because every one of us start in this life in debt. I don't know if you know that or not, right? The minute you were born, we owed a debt we couldn't pay. Now, I'm not just talking about taxes here, all right? I know taxes are starting on some people's minds. My wife's a tax preparer. We got people calling. She's got people calling all the time. They don't call me, but they call her, all right? Do not come to me for tax advice, all right? Do not do it. See Dixie, all right? But, but, right? but that's not what's talking about. We owe when we come in, right? The IRS, uh, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not even talking about the national debt. I don't know if you know anything about the national debt, but the national debt right now in the United States is about $32 trillion, and there's about 320 22 million of us living in the United States, you can do the math, right? You, uh, you come into this world. If you're born in the United States, you come into this world um, owing well north of a few hundred thousand dollars if you were to help pay off that national debt. Uh, amen to that, right? That's scary. I'm not talking about that kind of debt. Romans 3.20 says, for all, uh, 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't say some. It doesn't say just a few. It says all. Sin entered this world at the beginning. And all of us since then, we have been born into sin. We have been born in debt. We come in owing something that we cannot pay. We don't have the power to. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only one that has the power. He came. He left heaven, came to earth to pay this debt for us. Because it was not possible for us to pay it. Death is the price. Death, death and, and, and hell are the price for this debt. And he took it for me. He paid the price so that, that, uh, that I would be able to actually come and pray this prayer, right? I'd be able to say, and forgive me, my debts, my sin. That's what debt is. It's, a, it's sin. Forgive me of my sins and, and I can forgive others. It's a little reminder in, in this prayer. We're free from death. We're free from hell. We're free from the grave, right? Grave doesn't have the power over us. That's what this reminds. So we, we get to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. And it can actually happen. Your debt can be paid. We're forgiven. But forgiveness in this, in this passage or in this part of the prayer is a two-way street. It's not a one-way street. How many, know, how many know what a difference is between a one-way street and a two-way street, right? right? Go into Carlisle, you'll learn all about one-way streets. One-way streets mean you can go one direction and one direction only. And if the police see you and you're going the wrong direction, you're going to have a little discussion with them, right? You're probably going to get an award, for the day. All right, you're going to get to, you're going to get to you're going to get to, help, get to help the state out a little bit in the police department by, by by paying them some money. But a two-way street means that you can go this way and you can go this way. It's not just one direction. You all know that. It's simple. Forgiveness in this prayer is a two-way street. It's not that I just receive forgiveness, right? But I give forgiveness. 
It's not just one direction. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me of my sins, my transgressions, as I forgive others of their sin and their transgressions. How many know that's a two-way street? And the Word of God is serious about this. Jesus, when he put this in his prayer, he was serious. Because if you read right past the Lord's Prayer and you go down to verse 14, Matthew 6, 14, it says, Jesus said this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will you, Father, forgive your trespasses. Mm. How many of us serious business? That's serious. We love receiving forgiveness. I love receiving forgiveness. I really do. From God, from my wife, all right? You know, uh, from our family members. Like when we, do, when we mess up, we all like that one-way street. We all like to receive that forgiveness. Uh, but I don't get near as excited about forgiving you. Do we? Right? I get all excited about my own forgiveness. But forgiving you, eh, maybe not so excited, right? Uh, I'm not so excited sometimes about releasing that payback or that revenge or, or those hard feelings that I, that I want to hang on to. Um, we refuse sometimes to forgive others. And, and, and the scripture is clear here and, and plain here. It's a two-way street. If I want to receive, I got to give. Ephesians 4, and listen, I'm not just cherry-picking scripture, and I'm not just pulling one little uh, slice of, of the Lord's Prayer out. Ephesians 4.32 says, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do, right? How about Luke 6.37? Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. It's all through Scripture. I'm not just pulling out a verse or just an idea or building some kind of idea. We get all clogged up right here. A lot of people get all jammed up right here in their faith and their walk with God because they don't want to release. They don't want to forgive. They want the forgiveness, but they don't want to give forgiveness. And, and, and I know this is hard. I know forgiveness, being a two-way street, sometimes is difficult because we can be truly offended. We can be truly sinned against, right? We can get something we don't really deserve given to us. Matter of fact, probably all of us could tell. Uh, if I went around the room, you could probably all uh, tell a story about how somebody wronged you, somebody sinned against you. But the Word of God says we've got to forgive. He extended it us, to us, and we've got to give it back. I assure you, Jesus was the, the example and the illustration of this. Uh, probably anything that I suffered, I can guarantee you, wasn't what Jesus suffered. And it's amazing, as Jesus was suffering, he was forgiving them at the same time, right? He said, oh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it's such a hard thing. But don't get jammed up here. Because if you want forgiveness for what's going on in your life, you got to give it. you got to hand it out, even to people that don't deserve it. Even for people that don't ask it. And I, just as a way of kind of coming to the tail end of this uh, message, I want to give you a couple of things maybe that might help you along in the forgiveness process. Because how many of you walked through forgiveness before? Remember clearly, right? Having to truly forgive. Thank you for the six honest people in church, all right? All right. Forgiveness must be given, but trust has to be earned. This might help you, Okay. Forgiveness is given. We got to give forgiveness. It's not optional. It's, it's, not, it's not we get to choose.
but trust must be earned. Sometimes people mix these together. Sometimes I get talking with people and they say, well, I can't, I can't forgive them because I don't trust them. Nobody said you had to trust them. You just got to forgive them, right? How many know you got to earn somebody's trust, right? Forgiveness, you got to give. You, you've got to let go of the debt. You got to let go of the, you know, that I'm going to hold, I, I'm going to hold this over your head. You got to let go of that. But that doesn't mean you got to trust them. There's trust level. All of you got this, and whether you realize it or not, you got trust levels with people, right? You meet somebody for the first time, you just don't give them all your stuff, right? You just don't tell them everything about your life and every little detail of your life, do you? Because they're trust level number one, right? You go up to that cashier, you're only gonna, you're gonna get their trust level number one. You don't know them. But as you get friends, you start getting other trust levels, right? And that's how it is here. But you got to forgive all. And you can forgive and separate that from trust. It's not one and the same. Some people just can't get the place of forgiveness because they're like, I can't trust them. Okay, that's all right. But you got to forgive them. You got to let them off the hook, right? Forgiveness doesn't, forgiveness doesn't eliminate accountability or justice, right? If justice is warranted, if sin or if the offense is criminal and justice and accountability should be pursued, Forgiveness means um, that I let go of the debt personally inside my heart. I'm not, I'm, I'm not personally holding it over their head. But that doesn't mean they don't, they're not accountable. That doesn't mean that you don't pursue justice. Forgiveness is not turning a blind eye or being a doormat to wrong. It really isn't. Uh, matter of fact, God's all about justice. If you, I don't got time to preach about that, but if we could spend some time, we could really take a look at, at how God's all about justice. You can expose the offense and forgive at the same time. Do you know that? You really can. You can hold them accountable in their actions. In their actions, We can get justice and forgive in our hearts simultaneously. We really can. Do you know that forgiveness is God's health plan for you? It really is. Sometimes we look at forgiveness, well, that's all about the other person. Mm, it's about you. It's God's health plan. You got to get to a place of forgiveness in your heart because it's healthy for you. You can also get justice and hold unforgiveness in your heart and you're going to be heart sick. Do you know that? You could get complete justice. You could see that person pay the price for whatever they did. And if you don't forgive, you're the one. They're going to be behind bars and so will you. You'll be stuck. You'll be stuck in unforgiveness. Your prayers will be blocked. Uh, and, and, you know, and some people are like, well, sometimes, well, Pastor, I have a hard time because I've been denied justice. That's all right. If you're denied justice, we should just turn them over to God. We turn them over to the judge. Romans 12, 17 says, Repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. Do you know God will repay? Says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, some of you want to do that ahead of time. I know. That's God's job, not yours, okay? Right? You just, you just bless him. You just love him. And, and if you can't get justice, and if just can't be served, you just turn it over to God, right? Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with God, with good. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness is not denial. It is not blind trust uh, of the offender. It is not ignoring, ignoring a justice or accountability. It's removing ourselves as judge, jury, and executioner. You know that? It really is. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. I'm going to ask if you'd stand.
He is the bread of life. He is all the provision that you're ever going to need. And I'm just going to, those who are listening online this morning and those who are in the house this morning, I want you just to question your own heart. What provision have you been looking to? All right? You're just coming, man, we're just in the beginning of 2023. You can shift this in a real big hurry. You can change it, right? Uh, But what what provision have you been looking to? Have you held on to the bread of life, right? When you go to sleep at night, is it Jesus who, who reduces your anxiety or is it your bank account that reduces your anxiety? We can ask ourselves, what is it that we hold on to, uh, and it should only be Christ? That lo- you could do this. It's a little test, right? You can do it in reverse. Whatever, whatever you hang on to and reduces your anxiety, is it Christ? Is it Jesus? Because he's the provision. And I, I'm also speaking to those this morning who've got unforgiveness in your heart. You, you thought you left go of it. You thought you put it behind you, but you haven't really released it. You haven't really left it go. And you're, and you're hanging on to that. Man, isn't this little prayer powerful? You prayed this morning. This is just two verses. Two verses in this. It's Jesus' model. There's freedom in God's word. I'm here to tell you that. There's free. If you want a little phrase, there's freedom and forgiveness. There's freedom and forgiveness. It really is. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. If this word spoke into your spirit in any way, you need to acknowledge that. Sometimes it's a good thing to acknowledge. I want everybody's eyes closed so nobody's looking around. But you got sometimes it's a matter of just making a motion to acknowledge something. And I want you to do this quickly. You just put your hand up and put it right back down. Nobody's looking around. I'm looking. I'm the only one looking. I'm, all right? If this is speaking to you this morning, thank you for your honesty in these hands this morning. If this is speaking into your spirit and into your life, Bring us before God. When we pray this prayer, Jesus gave us this model so we could come to a place of freedom in him. And that we could pray this on a regular basis. He paid an enormous price. He paid in blood. He paid with his flesh. He paid in in being broken. So we could pray this prayer in honesty and in effectiveness in our lives. So, Father, I come to you today. I thank you for each one in the house. God, thank you for each response. God, each hand that I saw go up. Lord, I thank you for their honesty. And, Lord, I pray, God, that this morning, that, Lord, there are some in the house, Lord, you're going to move them from a place of unforgiveness to forgiveness today. God, something something clicked. Holy Spirit, you're speaking into their hearts right now. You're speaking a word into their spirit. And there's, there's going to be a shift and how they see forgiveness. God, I pray, Lord, for those who are, Lord, are looking for provision and, God, for a relief from anxiety in any other place than in you. Lord, I pray they just grab a hold of you, just like those orphans did, that piece of bread. God, they'll cling to you. Lord, that you'll be their security blanket because, God, they'll rest. God, that anxiety will cease. God, they'll come to a place, Lord, God, where there's, there's peace in their life. And, Lord, we just pray that your hand would move in their life. And we just give you glory and honor this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this message from Lifehouse Church. We pray that you were impacted powerfully by this message. If you have been personally affected by our ministry and you would like to partner with us as we love God, love people every day, visit our website at www.lifehousecog.com.